Well, hey, we've been in a series uh, that we're calling Unleashed. And so through this whole sort of like fall semester, we've been saying the same kind of statement over and over again. And that statement is this, that when the people of God become uncomfortable for the things of God, it unleashes the power of God and we join the unstoppable movement of God. And so we've been going through this statement kind of piece by piece. And so today um, in that series Unleashed, we're talking about that middle statement here. And this is something that we see that uh, is a pattern throughout the entire Bible, and it's something that is um, for us to live out practically as well. So as we continue in this series and talk about this whole Unleash thing, I'm going to invite Pastor Tony up, and he's going to give us some more practicality on how to do that. Awesome. Yeah, well, thanks, Steve, and good morning, everybody. It's great to have you here at Grace Church. Um, something I just want to reiterate real fast, too, we, we, you could probably... Uh, if you've been around Medina uh, East Campus at Grace Church for a little while, you can probably tell one of our big values here is that we really, really, really uh, value investing in the next generation. And so children and students, that's a high priority to us. And, uh, and so we really celebrate things like child dedication. It's just awesome to see parents who are committing themselves to really raise their kids in a way that honors Jesus. And so we celebrate that. We love that. And uh, we, love, we love all the families that are represented here. I also wanted to let you know, kind of along that same vein, you, you might not know is yesterday, uh, we as a church had over 700 people uh, that were here for truck or, trunk or treat. Uh, it was rainy and cold, and so we had to come inside for that. Uh, but it was awesome, just an awesome way to serve the community together. So I think that's something that's worth celebrating together as a church. So awesome. We did it together. And... Um, yeah, so thank you so much if you gave of your time to do that. Thanks to all the life groups who were able to, uh, to present and make trunks, trunks for people. It's an awesome way to serve our community uh, and to, uh, to serve the next generation for Jesus. What better way to do that than give them a bunch of sugar? And that's what we did, and it was great, and then we sent them home, and that's wonderful. So uh, thank you guys for, for doing that. But uh, like Steve mentioned today, uh, we are continuing in this series called Unleashed. I do want to tell you something else, too, and that is if you're just joining us today, it actually might be to your advantage to listen to some of the previous talks in this series. I think that might make what we're saying today make more sense. And so if you want to or you're interested in catching any of the previous talks, uh, you can go back to our website, our app, our podcast. You can listen to or watch uh, or download any of those talks. They're all for free uh, if we say anything today that's maybe of interest to you. But today, as we continue in this series, I want to invite you, let's just go ahead and jump in. I want to invite you to grab your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to be studying this passage together, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 in the Bible. And then as you're getting ready to flip there, let me just say that if you're a guest with us here today, and so if it's your first time at Grace, we do just want to extend a very, very special welcome to you. Thanks so much for being our guest. And we want to invite you to go ahead and get your Bibles out and open also to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so if you don't have a Bible or you didn't bring a Bible, it's no problem at all. I actually have some Bibles uh, that are underneath those chairs, and we'd invite you to take those black Bibles that are in the chairs beneath you and turn to page 80. Five, and that's where you're going to find First uh, Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. That's where you're going to find that passage. So go ahead and get there. And let me just say this too. And if you're a guest with us here today and you don't own a physical copy of the Bible, please just do us a favor and take one of ours home with you. Uh, we would love for you to have your own copy of the Bible. Write your name in it. Read it. Even if you don't believe in the Bible, uh, we would still encourage you to take one and uh, and make that a gift from us to you. So Second Corinthians five. Now as you're flipping there, um, let me just kind of kind of uh, kind of tee this conversation up a little bit. So as we're about to look in this passage, we're going to continue in this, this conversation about being unleashed. And really what we're saying right now is this. We're saying that God wants to unleash his power in your life. He wants to unleash his power through your life, and he wants to un unleash his power in the world. 
That's what we're talking about. God wants to unleash his power. He wants to unleash his power in your life, through your life, and in the world that we live in. And so what we're we're talking about in this series in particular is, practically speaking, how does God want to do that? How does God do that? So if God wants to unleash his power in my life and through my life and in the world, then let's put some practicality. Let's put some skin on it. What exactly does that look like, and how does that work? And so today we're going to talk about yet another very practical aspect of how God wants to unleash his power. And so here is the, uh, the title of today's talk. We're going to talk about unleashed ambassadors, unleashed ambassadors. And one of the ways that God wants to unleash his power in your life, through your life, and in the world that we live in is he wants to unleash ambassadors. Now, what in the world does that mean? And where does this come from? And practically speaking, uh, what does that actually look like in a person's life? And so my hope is that uh, by the end of today's talk, that you're going to have uh, a really clear picture of what this means and practically know what to do with it, all right, by the end. So that's kind of my hope. That's where this passage comes in. Second Corinthians chapter 5 is the key passage where we're going to see this idea of unleashed ambassadors. So let's look at it together. We're going to start off in verse 14, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting off in verse 14. Here's what it says. We're going to read the whole passage. Then we'll come back around and make some observations. So here we go. For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. And the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who, who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All right, so this is the passage we're gonna spend our time maybe kind of wrapping our heads around. And you can probably tell just from initial read, man, this passage is chalked full of just some incredible stuff. This is a very rich, very deep passage. And uh, quite honestly, today, with the time that we have, we're barely gonna even scratch the surface of the richness that this passage contains within it. But what I wanna do with our time is I really wanna just focus specifically on something the Apostle Paul says here in 2 Corinthians that I think is really fascinating. And it's this right here. Paul says, for those who follow Jesus, and by the way, I know uh, that not everyone in this room maybe would say that you're a Christ follower. Some of you might still be in the process of investigating uh, where you are spiritually. You might be investigating Jesus. You might be an intellectually curious person. And if that's the case, by the way, if you're a person who's in that boat, I just wanna say this. We say this all the time. We really do mean it from the bottom of our heart that if you're investigating Jesus, we count it an honor that you would let us be part of that investigation. Now, we know you could do anything you want with your Sunday morning, and the fact that you'd let us speak into that, we view that as a great honor. So thank you for that. But for those of us who follow Jesus, what Paul's going to say is something fascinating. He's going to say we are Christ's ambassadors. This is the metaphor, the word that he chooses to describe those who follow Jesus. We are Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. And so, so here what you see is God wants to unleash his power through us, 
And one of the ways that he wants to do that, for those of us who follow Jesus, is he wants us to view ourselves as ambassadors, as ambassadors. It's the word that he uses. Now, that begs a real good question then. What does that mean if we are ambassadors, practically speaking, what does that look like? And how, for those of us who follow Jesus, how do we live that out in very practical ways? And so um, what I want to do is I want to look at this passage together, and I want to show us that I believe that there are three aspects, three aspects of what it means to be an ambassador, three aspects. And here they are. I'll tell them to you right at the very top, and then we'll work our way through them. I think what we're going to find is that an ambassador is someone who, this passage is going to show us, An ambassador is someone who, number one, embodies a kingdom. An ambassador is somebody who embodies a kingdom. Number two, an ambassador is somebody who implores a message. They implore a message. And number three, an ambassador is someone who is devoted to a king. All right, so those three things. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that we are to think of ourselves as ambassadors. What does that mean? It means three things. It means that we are to embody a kingdom. It means that we are to implore a message, and it means that we are to be devoted to a king. So let's work it through. Let's talk about this. So first and foremost, an ambassador is somebody who embodies a kingdom. They aren't somebody who embodies a kingdom. So what do we mean by that? Well, it's actually pretty fascinating. When you look at the Apostle Paul's choice of wording, and he says that we are Christ's ambassadors, uh, most commentators, in fact, all commentators agree that most likely what the Apostle Paul had in mind was that he was actually thinking of a Roman ambassador. So quick little history lesson. If you're not a Bible person, what you might not know is that the guy that wrote this letter, the letter of 2 Corinthians, is a guy named Paul. Paul is, uh, was a very, very influential early church leader. In fact, arguably the most influential early church leader. And he writes during the first century, And of course, the first century, uh, many of you know, in this region of the world, Rome was like the superpower. So the Roman kingdom was the biggest kingdom that was around. And whenever Rome wanted to colonize or they wanted to make a a foreign country uh, a province of Rome, what they would do is they would send out ambassadors. They would send out Roman ambassadors. And it's interesting because Paul writes to this place called Corinth, the place where the Corinthians would have lived. And Corinth actually would have been a Roman province. And so they would have been very familiar with Roman ambassadors. So Paul borrows this metaphor, and he says, for those of us who follow Jesus, we are to think of ourselves as Christ's ambassadors. They would have been thinking about a Roman ambassador. He says, you're like like an ambassador, but you're like that for Jesus. And uh, and so that begs, what, what what exactly does that mean? What does that look like? Well, Roman ambassador, what their job was, their job was primarily to embody the kingdom of Rome. It was to embody Rome. That was really what it was. They were to embody in a foreign place the values, the ethics, the character, and the conduct of Rome. That's what they were to do. Uh, They were entrusted to embrace the values, the character, and agenda of their kingdom, and they were commissioned into a foreign land, and they were to embody that in that foreign place. That's what an ambassador was to do. And so he says here, Christians should think of themselves as Christ's ambassadors, that we are to embody a kingdom. Now, if that sounds kind of complicated, let me see if I can put it in some more simple terms. So if you think about an ambassador, here, here might be a helpful way to think of it. I was actually reminded uh, years ago, I had this really cool opportunity to go to Spain. And so I went to Spain with a group of friends, and the place that we went in Spain 
was a place that was, uh, I mean, it was an international hotspot. And so people from all over the world would come to visit this place that we were at in Spain. And so when we were there, we had some really, really cool opportunities to meet all kinds of people from all over the world. And I'll never forget this one conversation we had with this, this man, this older man from Japan. And so uh, like most people who are from other countries around the world, he could speak multiple languages, right? So he could speak English very well. And of course, me being an American, I can only speak one language and I can't even speak that good. And so we, uh, so we started talking in English. He spoke perfect English. And I don't know about you guys, man. I love, 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 love meeting people from different cultures. I so enjoy that. And I, I love, um, I'm just so fascinated with the way people view the world. I'm fascinated by how their upbringing uh, kind of adapts and changes the way that people view things. I just think that's so interesting. And whenever I walk away from a conversation with someone who's from a different culture than I am, I always walk away learning so much. I love that. So I remember we were talking to this man, and, and as we were talking to him, man, me and my friends, we were just asking him all kinds of questions. And we were just like, you know, where are you from in Japan? And we found out he was from like this kind of this remote village. And we we're like, what was it like for you growing up? And what was your family dynamic like? And what was your education like? And what kind of food did you eat? And what was the weather like? Like where you grew up, and how do you how do you view these? And we were just really fascinated. Was such a nice guy, and we just talked to him. And I remember after a while of talking to this guy, he said to us, he said, "Man, you guys are asking so many great questions." He says, "I haven't even asked you about yourself." He says, "So tell me about yourself. Where are you guys from?" And my friends and I, we said, "Oh, we said we're from Ohio," and he goes, uh, "He goes, where's that?" And we're like, oh, that's right. It's kind of, it's sort of not the most well-known place. And we said, it's, a, it's one of the states in the United States. So we're from the United States. And he goes, oh. He said, you guys are from the United States. We said, yeah, yeah, we're from the United States. And he goes, and this is what he said. He goes, I could never visit your country. I could never come to your country. And we were like, hmm. We're like, why not? And he goes, it's far too dangerous there. We were like, really? He said, yeah. He said, if I ever go to America, I would go to Mexico. It's much safer there. <laughs> and, and we were like, what makes you think that? And he goes, well, in America, he said, everyone has a gun, and they all go around shooting each other. And, and he said, in America, everyone dresses a certain way, and everybody listens to, to Justin Bieber. And then he said, in America, you eat giant portions of meat and have massive hamburgers in America. And as he was saying all this, my friends and I realized this man's perception of America, has, of the United States, has been painted by media, right? And all he knows is he knows a caricature of what the United States is like. And if you think about it, what he knows is what he sees on the global news, what makes global headlines. And unfortunately, the things that make global headlines are things like the mass shootings that happen, like we even saw this past weekend, those devastating things that we see. That, that's what his exposure was. What he knew about the United States was he knew Justin Bieber. What he knew about the United States was he knew massive portions of meat. But we under, we, as we started talking to him, we said that's his only exposure to the United States is this perception that he has that has been given to him by the global media. And so what he needed was he needed an ambassador. And so he needed someone who was actually from that place to embody that place for him. And so that's actually what my friends and I did. And so for the next several minutes, we said, no, 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 no. It's not like you think it is. We said, now for sure, some of the stuff you see, that, that does happen. There are these terrible things that happen in our country for sure. But we said that, man, by and large, that's not the case. It's actually a very safe place to live. It's a very organized place to live. We said it's actually a wonderful place to come and visit. There's a lot of great things to see. Maybe not in Ohio, but there's a lot of great things to see. 
We said not everyone likes Justin Bieber. We said there are some believers, for sure. We said, but there are a good amount of unbelievers as well. And then we said, and we said in the giant burger thing, like that's actually true. That's actually pretty accurate, you know. But it was fascinating. By the time we were done talking to this guy, he said to us, he said, my goodness, he said, my perception of, of the United States has been utterly changed. He said, because what I thought was something else, and you guys showed me something different. And we said, well, yeah. We said, because that's where we're from. We said, now, we're not all of America. Obviously, we're only representing a small portion of us. But, but you see, what are we doing? We are ambassadors. We are embodying a nation. We are embodying a country. We are embodying a kingdom. And so when the Bible says that those of us who follow Jesus are ambassadors, what does that mean? Well, it means that we are to, for those of us who follow Christ, that part of our responsibility as Christians is that we are to embody a kingdom. And you're, you might be asking, well, what kingdom are we to embody? Well, the Bible's pretty clear. The, the kingdom we are to embody is the kingdom of God. It is the kingdom of heaven. And I know when I say that, that might, for some of us, that might sound so mythical and mystical. We talk about this idea of a kingdom. But let me just explain it in very simple terms. The Bible says if you're a follower of Jesus, the moment you begin following Christ, that you underwent a citizenship change. And your citizenship has shifted now from being uh, someone who is a, uh, a citizen of this world to now being a citizen of God's kingdom. Now, again, I know for some of us, when we think about being part of God's kingdom, we think of a place we think of like, oh, that, the kingdom of God, that's heaven, right? That's a place. That's like where there's, that's where there's like a castle and there's a throne and that's like what we're talking about. And let me just clear this up. We can't spend too much time on this, but let me just clear this up. When the Bible talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, it's talking far less about a place and it's talking much more about a person. In other words, what it says is that those of us who follow Jesus, we are to live our lives as if Jesus is king. And you can do that anywhere. You don't have to be in a place to live a life as if Jesus is your king. And what does it mean to be part of the kingdom of God? It means that we are people who live a life that displays that Jesus Christ is the king of every aspect and every avenue of who I am. I think what this is saying is that for those of us who follow Christ, being a Christian is not just about what we say we believe. It also is about how we live. That the way we live our lives matters because we are embodying we are to embody a kingdom. We are to embody the priorities and the values of our king, of King Jesus. I think what this is saying is this, is that those of us who follow Christ, we're to live our lives in such a way that it causes people around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family members, it causes them to look at us and at one point say, huh, you're not from around here, are you? You do something way different than the most other people and why do you do that? And that lends us the opportunity to say, well, you're right, I'm actually not from around here. Because you see, I serve a different king and I represent and embody his kingdom and his values. It's funny, I was, I was thinking about this same idea and I, I was reminded of another time, I was up in Canada. And so I had this, uh, had this cool opportunity to go up to Canada with some buddies of mine and we were gonna go backpacking and canoeing, uh, portaging up in Algonquin. And so we were up in Algonquin and we were renting a canoe. And as we were going through the canoe rental process, the guy, the Canadian guy that worked at the canoe rental place came up to us and he said, uh, he, goes, um, he goes, you guys are uh, not from around here, eh? And, uh, and we, said, uh, we said, yeah, we're not from around here. And he said, uh, he goes, are you guys from Ohio? And I was like, yeah. I said, how did you, how did you know that? How did you pick? He's like, oh, I could tell. So I could tell by the way you talk. And we're like, I was like, really? I said, well, what do we do? What do, what do we say? And he goes, well, you know like how up here in Canada we say, eh? And I was like, 
Like, yeah, that's like the only thing we know about you is that that and maple syrup. That's like all we know and hockey. And, uh, and he goes, so, so we're like, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, we know that. And he goes, well, you guys in Ohio, he goes, you guys don't say A, but you know what you do? He says, you guys go, huh? <laughs> and I was like, no, we don't. And he goes, yeah, you guys go, huh? And I was like, I have never done that. And he goes, you just did it a minute ago. I was like, I do not. And he goes, yeah, just think about it. You, you go up to someone and say, looks like you got a new truck, huh? And I was like, huh? <laughs> I was like, we do do that. You're right. I never thought of that before. But all I'm saying is he was able to identify where we were from because we had a dialect. There were certain characteristics about us that identified us with, with a certain place. And I think what the Bible is saying, for those who follow Jesus, there needs to be certain characteristics and attributes about those of us who follow Jesus that people look at us and go, ah, I see. You must be, you must be a Christian. You must be one of those Jesus people because I recognize that you have the dialect of the kingdom of God. Now, unfortunately, we live in a society where most people identify Christ followers with the wrong characteristics. Christians, unfortunately, are known for the wrong things today. And and unfortunately, many people in our society have a television perception of what a Christian is, right? People look at a Christian and they know Christians for being, you know, about some anti-political agenda, they know Christians for primarily being anti-gay. Uh, people know Christians at, for a Ned Flanders personification that we get you know, on television or media or whatever. In fact, maybe you're a person in this room today and you're investigating Jesus. And quite honestly, the only perception you have of Christ is what the media puts forth, is what television puts forth. Or maybe it's one crazy person in your life who says they're a Christian who is a really bad ambassador. And I'm just telling you that the Bible says that God wants to correct that And the way that he wants to unleash his power is he wants to send out ambassadors. He wants those of us who follow him to embody this is what Christ's kingdom looks like. In the workplace that you're in, in the neighborhood that you're in, in the family that you're in, you are to embody the priorities and values of King Jesus for those of us who follow Christ. Some of you might be saying, well, practically speaking, what are some of the things that should characterize the life of a Christian? And uh, I could actually give you a list of hundreds of these, and I, I, I'm not for time's sake, but I'll just give you a few examples. You know what the Bible says? You know what characteristics Christians should be known for according to Scripture? Here's, here's one of them. The Bible says Christians should be known for their generosity. Christians should be the most generous people on planet Earth. Now, why is that? It's because we have the most generous king. We have a king, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that though he was rich, he made himself poor. So Christians are to be known to be generous with their lives, with their stuff. We are are to be known for our promiscuous generosity, that we give liberally, we give generously, specifically to the needs of the needy and the poor. That's what the Bible would say. That's what, in a world where people are greedy and hoard and take for themselves, Christians are to have a different dialect. And our dialect is to be one of generosity. And the Bible says that that's going to cause people to look at us and say, boy, you're different. Why do you give so much? Why do you give so liberally? Why do you give of your time? Why do you give of your resources? Why do you, give, why do, you do that for these things? And we're to say, oh, well, that's because we're not from around here, you see. We serve a king. It's a very generous king. The Bible says another characteristic that Christians are to be known for is our grace and our forgiveness. Why? Because we serve a king. We serve a king who is so radically gracious and is so radical in his forgiveness. In a world where if someone harms you, you harm them back. Or if someone, you know, if someone does something hurtful to you, you're done with them. 
The Bible says that Christians are to live different. There's a different dialect to the kingdom. The kingdom is that we forgive. The kingdom is that we extend grace. The kingdom is that we, we try to reconcile with people. That's the dialect. That's what it means to be an ambassador. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. We've all sinned against God, but God didn't hold that sin against us, but instead he absorbed that sin and offered reconciliation to us. And so those of us who follow Jesus, when we reach out to forgive someone, when we reach out to that family member, you know that family member who you're having that conflict with that you haven't talked to in a year? If you're a follower of Jesus, when you reach out to to initiate reconciliation with that person, what are you doing? You are an ambassador. You are embodying the ethics of the kingdom. You know what the Bible says Christians are to be known for? Serving. We are known to be people that whenever we have power and influence and privilege, that rather than spending those things and wielding those things for our own sake, that we're to leverage those things rather for the service of other people. Now, why would we do that? Well, because that's what our king has done. That's what King Jesus did. All authority had been given to him, and yet he took that authority, and rather than using it for his own selfish gain, he leveraged it that he might serve us. And so we, when we serve other people, we are being ambassadors of God's kingdom. I think all this points to this bottom line, and here's the bottom line. For those of us who follow Jesus, we gotta ask this question. It forces us to ask this question. What does my life communicate? What does, if you're a follower of Christ, what does my life communicate to those around me? to my family, to my coworkers, to my friends. Because Christianity is not just what you say, it's how you live. We are ambassadors. We are to embody a kingdom. And so when people look at your life, what does it say? When people look at your social media page, what does it say? When people in your family, if we were talk, what does your life communicate to other people? And I think the fact that we're ambassadors, what it says is the way we live matters. Right? If you are uh, if you're a person in this room and you are the owner of a company, the way you treat your employees matters. Uh, the way you treat your coworkers matters. The way you interact with your boss matters. Why? Because you are Christ's ambassador. It doesn't mean we're always going to get it right, right? We're going to mess up and we're going to fail at this. But I think that even our failures are an opportunity to display God's love and forgiveness. That we can come to someone and say, man, I really messed up and I'm a follower of Jesus, and you did this, and I responded this way, and that actually was the wrong way for me to respond. And so, so I wanna just let you know I'm sorry about that. And God can use those things in powerful ways. So what is an ambassador? First and foremost, an ambassador is someone who embodies a kingdom. Here's the second thing. An ambassador is someone who implores a message. An ambassador is someone who implores a message. So that was kind of interesting. When I was studying uh, Roman ambassadors, what I found out was that uh, whenever Rome the government of Rome wanted to uh, make a foreign country a Roman province, what they would do is they would send out a diplomatic envoy of 10 ambassadors. So they'd send out these 10 ambassadors, and it was the job of the ambassadors to embody the, the kingdom. But the other job that they had was they were to implore a message. They were to communicate, and they were to implore a message that came right from the emperor. So they were not to speak their own words. They were not to speak their own opinions. They were entrusted with a message from the emperor himself, and they were to be conduits in which they were to bring that message into this foreign culture. And so part of their job was that they were to embody the kingdom, but they also were to implore the message. Now, I think it's interesting. The apostle Paul picks up on this same metaphor when he says this. He says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, 
and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So, so the Bible, Apostle Paul says, ambassadors are people who have been entrusted to a message. They are to implore a message on behalf of their sovereign, of the emperor, of their king. And what is the message that we are to implore? For those of us who follow Jesus, if we are ambassadors, what is the message we are to implore? And you actually see it right here in this passage. I don't know if you noticed this. In two verses, there is one word that appears four times. You see what it is? Do you notice what it is? Shout it out. What is it? What word? Reconcile. That's what it is. What is the message that Christians are entrusted with that they are to implore on behalf of God? And here it is. It is to be reconciled to God. It is that God wants to reconcile people back to himself. God doesn't want to hold people's sins against them. That's why he sent Jesus to atone for our sin and to invite us back into a right relationship with him. That is the message that has been entrusted to Christians. Christians are people who have been reconciled to God and then they've been entrusted with the message. They've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. That's why the Apostle Paul goes on to say this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Notice this. As though God were making his appeal through us. You notice this? It's God's message. This is not my message. It's God's message that I've been entrusted to, and he wants to make an appeal through me. He wants me to implore this message on his behalf. And what is the message we are to implore? He says, we implore you, be reconciled to God. It's interesting. The word implore, it's actually a pretty strong word. Some of your translations say, we beseech you. We don't really use that word anymore in modern vernacular. Some of your translations say, we beg you. In other words, he's saying, man, we emphatically plead with you. We implore you. Here is the message that ambassadors have been entrusted with. Be reconciled to God. God wants every person to be reconciled into a right relationship with him. And listen, here's what I want you to understand. If you're a follower of Jesus, look up here for a minute. This is so important. If you're a follower of Jesus, we have one message, one message that we've been entrusted with. For those of us who follow Jesus, our life, the Bible says as ambassadors, are to be about one message above all other messages. There is one message that is to be primary, that your life is to speak. We have one message. And what is it? Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. That our lives are to be lived in such a way that it communicates to everyone around us, God loves you. He loves you. And he doesn't want to hold your sin against you. And he wants you to be reconciled to him. That is the profoundly loud declaration the life of a follower of Jesus is make. We only have one message. I love those. Uh, do you guys ever see those memes? Like, you only had one job. You ever see those memes before? I love those. I think they're hysterical. If you've never seen them, I'll just show you an example of a few of them. I like this one. You only had one job. They, had, they were trying to paint stop on the, it's like, dude, just one job, right? I thought this one was good. Uh, only had one job. Here, I don't even know how that happens. Some of, you are, some of you are builders, and you're like, I know exactly how that happens. And uh, all right, how about this one? This one's good. This is a Target store. You only had one job, man. Don't enter, enter. What am I supposed to do, Target? I'm confused, right? So that's, this one's probably my favorite, this T-shirt. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Asia or not, right? That's what you got there. And, you know, these are funny because we're like, you had one job and you couldn't even get it right. You only had one job. Now, here's what I'm saying. Why do I show you that? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, you have one message. You have one message. Our life is to be about one message. And what is the message? The world wants us 
God, God wants the world to be reconciled to him. And that is what the message that we are to declare and we are to um, take priority over all other messages of our life. I think it's so important, by the way, because I think when you begin to understand, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you're an ambassador, and that means that you have been entrusted with God to get to declare one message to the world, I think that should begin to change the way you view the world. It should begin to change the way you view other people. I think that's why Paul says this. He says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. You see, you see what Paul says here? This is so important. Paul says, now that I recognize that I am an ambassador, that we are ambassadors, he says, this changes the way we view the world and it changes the way we view other people. And so from, from now on, we don't view anyone from a worldly vantage point anymore. We don't view anyone from a worldly point of view. Now, what does that mean to view someone from a worldly point of view? Well, I think what he means, I think all of us understand this, that we all naturally, from a humanistic standpoint, we all naturally have a way of summing, summarizing people, summing them up, and then categorizing them in different worldly categories. I think we all naturally do this. We all do. We all have this thing where if we meet people, we tend to size them up and sum them up, and then we instinctually begin to categorize them. Oh, well, you're this kind of person, or oh, you're that kind of person. And so we have all of these different categories. And so, for example, we meet someone, and we start to categorize. You're either rich or you're poor, or you're powerful, or you're, you're weak, or you're white-collar, or you're blue-collar, Right? or you're a Republican, or you're a Democrat, or you're educated, or you're uneducated, or you're conservative, or you're a liberal, or you shop at Walmart, or you shop at Target, right? Or you're a dog lover, or you're a Satan worshiper. It's like those are the... <laughs> but we have all these categories. We tend to compartmentalize, and a lot of us view people this way. We, we all do this. We naturally, from, from a humanistic, worldly point of view, we start to put people in these different categories. And, and here's what Paul says. He says, when you become an ambassador for Christ, when you become a Christian, when you become reconciled to God, that should change the way you view the world. And so now you shouldn't view the world in the same categories the world does. He says, now the way you should view the world is totally different. In fact, do you know for the Apostle Paul, man, this is so important. The Apostle Paul, there was only two categories. That was it. You know what the two categories were? Reconciled to God and those not yet reconciled to God. And Paul said, I don't care who you are. I don't care what your social status is. I don't care if interacting with you is socially advantageous to me or not because the only categories that matter to me is whether you're reconciled to God or you're not reconciled to God. I thought it was interesting. I was reading this article about the Titanic. So you guys remember back in 1912, the Titanic sunk. And I thought it was interesting that um, when, when the people of London caught word that the Titanic sunk, I mean, you can imagine the families were devastated, but they were still waiting to hear who had survived and who hadn't made it. And so I guess the story goes, what they did is they had this big blackboard they put in the street, uh, the streets of London, and they made two columns, and the one column said saved, and the other column said lost. And as they got to get to re reports from the, from the rescue crews, they began to populate those lists with save and lost. And you know what's interesting is when people entered onto that ship for its maiden voyage, I think all of us know, people went on that boat in all types of different social demographics. Now, you had the Kate Winslet crew, who was like the upper-class people, and you had the Leonardo DiCaprio crew, who was like the lower-class people, but you also had musicians, and you had bakers, and you had all these different people who were all these different social stratas, but by the end, there was only two categories, just two, those that were saved and those that were lost. You see, Apostle Paul says, I am one of those who has been plucked from the waters of God's judgment. Christ has reconciled me back to himself, and that changes the way I view everything. And so now when I look at people, I only see two categories. I see those who are reconciled to God and those who need to be reconciled to God. 
And those of us who follow Jesus need to view the world the same. And I'm just telling you, man, sometimes it's so easy. This is so important for those of us who follow Jesus. Sometimes it is so easy for us to get caught up in a worldly agenda that we make our lives about a different message. Sometimes it's so easy for us to turn the mission. What we can do is we can get so caught up in a political or a social or an economic issue, all of which are good, but that can become our primary agenda and message in life. And we can, listen to me, we can inadvertently turn the mission field into the enemy. And man, we can start to look at people and we can start to become hostile and angry and even unkind to the very people that Jesus died for. And he has commissioned us to go out and tell them that God wants to be reconciled with. Man, God forgive us, for those of us who follow Christ, for the times that we despise and we devalue and we discredit those that he has purchased with his blood. And he has commissioned us with the message of reconciliation to tell them God wants a relationship with you. Our whole lives are to speak that message. So, so what are ambassadors? There are people who embody a kingdom. But man, we, we are to implore a message. There is a message that is to be paramount in our lives above all others, to be reconciled to God. That leads this last thing. And most importantly, that's this. An ambassador is somebody who is devoted to a king. An ambassador is somebody who's devoted to a king. And I think this is probably the most important of them all. Of all the aspects of what it means to be an ambassador, this one's probably the highest of them all. They are someone who's devoted to a king. Um, I was reading again about the Roman ambassadors. Part of their training for a Roman ambassador uh, was actually twofold. The first part was uh, a, a Roman ambassador was someone, they actually had to have a pretty high pedigree to be a Roman ambassador. You had to be very diplomatic, very educated. It's kind of like the cream of the crop. And part of their job description was that an ambassador had to spend an unbelievable amount of time with the king. And so they were to be with the emperor. They were to walk around with him. They were to, to spend more time with him than anyone else. And the whole idea was that they would absorb his values. They would absorb his priorities. That they would even absorb his personality. And that was sort of their job, is that they would just spend so much time with the king. They would be devoted to the king. And the second part of their job was that the king would send them to anywhere he decided them to go. And so when they would go into a foreign land, their job was then to embody the life of the king, to carry the message and to embody his, his life. But an ambassador was successful, the way he knew he was successful, is when the people in that foreign land knew him so well that they could say that by knowing him, they knew the king, that they knew the priorities, they knew the values, they even knew the personality and character of the king because they knew his stand-in, which was the ambassador. Man, I think there's a big principle there for us because I think what it means is, for those of us who follow Jesus, part of what it means to be an ambassador, it means that we are so devoted to the king that we spend so much time with him, that we know him, that we know his priorities, we know his character, that we know his ethics, that we even know his personality, and that we stand in for him and bring that. Listen, for those of us who follow Christ, you might be the only Jesus someone else sees. And so what compels that, what compels it is a devotion to the king. I love the way Paul says it. He says, for Christ's love compels us. I think that's a really essential statement because you see what he's saying? Paul says, what is it that motivates us to live this way? Is it guilt? Is it duty? Is it obligation that motivates us to live this way? Paul would say, no, none of those things. It's Christ's love. When we, when we start to know our king and we spend time with him, what's gonna happen is you're gonna, you're gonna be wrecked by his love for you. And as a result of that, that's gonna compel you to live your whole life for God. I actually like the way um, you guys might know Pastor Seth Tonkar. If you haven't been coming here for a while, Pastor Seth is the guy that was singing over here a minute ago. 
He's a guy that has dark hair, uh, dark, dark glasses like this and a beard. Not to be confused with Steve, who was up here, who has dark hair, dark glasses and a beard. I hate guys like that. It's terrible, right? But I like what Steve said. Uh, Steve, not Steve. <laughs> Seth said. I don't like what Steve said. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Here's what Pastor Seth said. He said, this word compel is a very interesting word. He said the term literally means to bring tightly together or to compress. In some contexts, it was used for taking someone into custody or being locked tightly into a cell. It's the imagery of being so arrested by something or someone that you're completely captured by it. You can't escape it. You can't get outside of its influence. It consumes your attention so much that it forces you to act in certain ways that often look bizarre or erratic to others. I love that. Because you see, you see what he's saying is the word compel, some of your translations say constrain, is that, man, this is an all-consuming force in my life. The Apostle Paul says Christ's love is so consuming to us. It's all we can think about. It's all, we're just so uh, enamored by it. We're so wrecked by it. He says that it compels us to live the way that we live. And that's why I think he goes on to say this. He says, and because we're so compelled, we want to live not just for ourselves anymore, but we want to live for him. We want to live our whole lives for him. How do you know if you're a follower of Jesus that Christ's love has truly gotten a hold of your heart? You want to know how I think you can know? I think the way you know is that you begin to view your life as a blank check to God. I think that's one of the surefire signs that you've gotten a hold of God's love is when you say, my gosh, I cannot believe what you've done for me. I am so enamored by your love for me that God, my whole life is a blank check to you. Did you guys ever write a blank check before? It's a very scary thing. I've done it twice in my life. I remember I had a couple of friends that I owed money to and I trusted them a lot and I wrote a blank check. I said, I don't remember how much I owe you. Here's a blank check. You fill it in for what I owe you. And let me just tell you, those friends who I love and trust, the moment I gave that check over them, I questioned everything. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I like you or trust you. Or... And uh, there, it's a scary thing to do that. But I think what the Bible says is when we truly understand Christ's love for us, the only reasonable thing we do is we say, God, my whole life, it's all yours. You fill it in. There's not any avenue of my life that is not available to your kingship in my life. I like the way one person said it. He said it this way. He said, uh, many of us who follow Jesus, we don't offer God a blank check. We offer God a gift card. If you think about a gift card, what is that? It's a certain amount to a certain place. Here's 25 bucks to Applebee's. Here you go, God. You can have this much at this part in my life. Everything else is off limits to you. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my kids. You can't have my job. You can't have my whatever. You can't have those parts. You can have, you can have an hour on Sunday. That's what you got. And I think that that's a surefire sign that we haven't really come to understand the love of Jesus because when you begin to understand the radical love that Christ has for you, it compels you to say, my whole life is about your agenda. My whole life is a blank check. And you fill it in. It's all for you. It's all for you. And so what does that do? Well, I think it tells us what, a, what an ambassador is all about. An ambassador is someone who embodies, they embody a kingdom. There's someone who implores a message and there's someone who is devoted to, loves the king and wants to live for him. I wanna ask the band to come up and uh, as they make their way up, I wanna, I wanna just kind of end with a couple of kind of practical takeaways, some small takeaways for you. And uh, here they are. First off, first audience, if you're a person that's here today and you're investigating Jesus, and so you're an intellectually curious person. Maybe someone drug you here today and, and you're not sure where you land with the whole faith thing. Um, can I just tell you in the clearest terms that I know how that I don't know what your perception of Jesus is and those who follow Jesus. And that might be tainted by media and what you see. 
uh, put forth, that might be tainted by a person that's in your life that quite honestly is just a really bad ambassador, and that might be the case. And if that's the case, I just want to tell you, um, I'm sorry about that, uh, but I do want to tell you in, in very clear terms, here's the message that I am 100% confident that God wants to communicate to you here this morning. And I actually believe enough that God has probably brought you here because I think he wants you to hear this message, and that's this. God wants you to be reconciled to him. He loves you, and he does not want to hold your sins against you. And he wants you to be brought back into a right relationship with him. And there might be some of you who are in here today, and maybe you've never had that relationship with God, or maybe at one time you did and you walked away from it. And you're at a place in your life right now where you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't know if I could ever be back in a right relationship with God. I've gone too far. I've sinned too much. I've seen too much. And if that's the case, can I just tell you, that's not true. And you can't out God's grace. It's not possible. I don't know where you've been and what you've done, but you don't have to clean yourself up to come to Jesus. You can come to him just like you are right now. And that's actually what he desires for you. He doesn't want to hold your sins against you. He wants to forgive your sins and he wants you to be in a right relationship with him. That's what he's created you for. And so let me be one to implore you. In fact, let me beg you, be reconciled to him. Be reconciled to him. That's what he desires. And you can do that. Just talk to God today. You can talk to him now and open up that relationship. Second audience, for those of us who do follow Jesus, I think that this forces us to ask a big question and that really is, is my whole life available to God? Am I an ambassador? Do I view myself as a person who embodies his message and implores his, uh, embodies his kingdom and implores his message? It has, has the love of God worked itself down into every place in my life? That was interesting. We were talking about this earlier and I was just thinking about this whole idea of has, has God, has he, has he worked his way into every avenue of my life? I started to think about, uh, you know one of the reasons I don't have a Jesus um, fish in the back of my car? There's actually a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I don't have a Jesus fish on the back of my car is just being honest. I don't want to drive like a Christian. I don't, I don't want to be an ambassador in my car. I don't want people to, I don't want the way I drive to represent Jesus. I don't want people to think like, oh, he's a Christian. That's how Christians drive. I just don't want that. And quite honestly, I'm like, there, there's, a, there's a thing in there. There's, there's an issue there. And I'm just saying, for those of us who follow Christ, is God's love working its, is the sovereignty of our king working its way, working himself down into everything in your life? Is there, are there compartments and avenues of your life that you are just unwilling to allow King Jesus to touch? And I'm just saying that, man, once you begin to know God's love, it's gonna start transforming every compartment of your life. And maybe you need to talk to him about that today. Maybe you need to look and say, God, are you in my workplace? God, are you in my business dealings? God, are you in my family? Are you in my marriage? Are you in my kids? Are you in these relationships? And maybe you need to invite him in to every part of your life because you're an ambassador and that's what God wants for you. Let's pray together. Well, Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you are the ultimate ambassador. Man, Jesus, you came here and you embodied what, quite literally, you embodied God and you displayed for us what it looks like. Um, the priorities and values and ethics and uh, concerns of your father, you displayed perfectly here. God, we know we can't do it perfectly. We're very imperfect people. We need your help. But I'm so thankful that it's your desire to use us in this way. You didn't just save us so that we could just wait around and sit around until heaven comes, but you saved us so that you could send us, that we could be 
messengers of reconciliation to the world that we live in. Father, help us to be about this message. Help our lives to bleed this message that you want to reconcile the world to yourself. Father, that is the message that you have given us as our king. And so I pray that you would entrust us with that message to go out and to say that with love and to say that with grace and to display that through our lives in a way that would cause people to know you accurately. So Father, thanks that we get to take part in this cool thing that you're doing on this earth. And I pray that you'd empower us to do it this week. We pray in Christ's name, amen.